0: Genesis chapter 19, if you found your place, say amen for me. All right, we're going to read just verse number 12 and 13. Uh, as I mentioned, I do ask you to pray for us this morning. And uh, there's a lot of thoughts that are going through my mind uh, because of things that I have seen that uh, can be found in Genesis chapter number 19. Uh, and, and I'm going to try my best to stay away from those Thoughts and deal strictly with the text. And so I do cover your prayers. I know that may sound strange, um, but I, I, I have a focus here, and it's not on the sin of Genesis chapter 19, uh, but it's on the righteous man found within it. So uh, if you'll help me, I sure would appreciate it. Now, with that said, I will be mentioning the sin of chapter 19. I just don't want to focus on it, okay? So... Chapter 19, the book of Genesis, verse number 12 and 13. You understand that there are two men, the Bible says. I believe we can correctly assume that these were the two angels that we find in chapter number 19. They are there with Lot in Sodom. And verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask now that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would give us clarity of mind and thought. God, I ask you that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Father, we pray that you would do the preaching we ask you that you'd bless your people today. Let us be hearing, and let us be doers of what your word says. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach on this thought this morning when the righteous are blinded. When the righteous are blinded. And um, so you we see here that Lot is one of the characters, if I could say that in this passage. And in Second Peter chapter number 2, verse number 7, uh, Peter called Lot a righteous man, but he says that he vexed his soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Uh, Lot gradually got further and further away from his godly foundation that you can find all the way back in Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis 12, God came to Abraham and he says, you and your family, you get out of Ur, you go to the place where I tell you. So uh, Abraham and Sarah and Lot struck off and so Lot was under the leadership of Abraham. Abraham made some mistakes in the same chapter, chapter number 12, he went to Egypt, he shouldn't have been there. Uh, but God still blessed him because of him. We we come a few chapters later, and, and Lot and Abraham's servants began to be at odds with one another. And so Abraham gave Lot a choice, and a choice he made to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but the further and further he got away from his godly foundation, the closer and closer he got to the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we, if we're not careful and we are not vigilant, then we too can slip further and further away from the godly and dwell among the ungodly or the godless, if you will. And so I want to warn us today as a body of believers to be very careful about what we see, about what we accept as normal, and be very careful about what we stand up for. Um, I, I just just kind of in passing this week, maybe Thursday or Friday, uh you can get mad about this if you want to. It don't matter to me. Three heels of beans tell you what's true. Uh I saw at Cracker Barrel that they've got their pride rocking chair out. And uh I feel like I'm right in saying this, maybe maybe just several years ago that that would never have been. I feel like um, that particular company was pretty secure in conservatism, uh but I'm uh, just not real sure what path they're walking down now. Uh, we have Disney Plus on our television, and overwhelmingly, the things that you see is the Pride Collection. You got rainbows and little fruitcakes walking around. Uh, you got all everywhere you go. Braylon and I were walk, were driving in town the other day. And we came, we passed Kinnebrew, we came between Kennebrew and and the coffee store there. And uh, there's a little church going that direction on the right. And uh, standing on the steps of the church, there was a man dressed in, in in pretty nice clothing. There was a lady there, and there was a man there that had facial hair, hairy legs, and a skirt. And I like to broke my neck trying to see if I saw what I knew I had seen. And uh, sure enough, as I passed the police station, I looked back, and and I I, I was not making this up. I and so it's in our own city. Uh, we go to we go to places to shop or. Uh, we go to places to eat, and and you see this sin of sodomy. I'm not even going to call it society's word for it. I'm not going to call it by their word for it. I'm going to call it by the Bible name this morning, which is sodomy. And they are sodomites, okay? And I understand I've got it in my family. You've probably got it somewhere in your family. I'm not bashing you. I'm not even bashing them. I'm bashing the sin this morning. Uh, but I want to be careful not to focus on the sin, uh, but on the message today. And so, as as we understand, and, and again, we'll get to it in a moment, but Lot took steps towards Sodom, uh, and he left his godly influence under Abraham. And if we, in 2023, do not uh, take stock in our godly heritage, and in the Word of God that we are taught every Sunday and Wednesday, and hopefully you're reading it on your own. And if we don't take stock in what the Word of God has said, then we too will take small steps toward dwelling with the godless instead of with the godly. And so, if you'll help me this morning, I'll preach on the thought When the righteous are blinded. Number one this morning, I want us to see the arrogance toward sin. We're going to have to go back a few chapters and we're going to have to look at chapter number 13. And we see the arrogance toward sin. I told you those little steps in chapter 13 verse number 10. In verse number 11, we see that Lot lifted up his eyes. I just want to tell you this. Y'all got your Bibles open? Look with me. Genesis chapter 13, verse number 10. The Bible says, and Lot lifted up his eyes. Y'all see that? Say amen. All right, now look with me in verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham after uh, that Lot was separated from him. Who's talking here? The Lord. What does He say to Abraham? Lift up now thine eyes. You see, there's a difference in what we look at. If we look in our own eyes, we're going to see what we want. We're going to see what we desire. But if we'll look where and when God says to look, then we'll see what He wants us to see. Y'all understand that this morning. So verse number 10, And and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Verse number 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one, from the other. I just kind of wonder this morning if that last phrase was not listed in verse number 11, if Lot could have found hope in his situation. It says that he separated. They separated themselves. I just wonder if he might have said, "You know what, uh, Uncle Abraham, it's not really worth it. Uh, I'll get my men in line and, and we'll just stay with you. Would to God that somebody would stay with the Word of God this morning. Would to God that somebody would count the cost and say it's not worth going my own way. It's not worth losing my... Are y'all hearing me? It's not worth losing my family. It's not worth my wife getting turned into a pillar of salt. It's not worth leaving my two daughters behind. It's not worth uh, having my two daughters uh, within. It's, it's just not worth it. I'll just stay with God. Would to God that we could get to that place in our life this morning. Uh, but the arrogance towards sin, He chose the plains. He he chose the well-watered plains. He chose the pleasurable things to his eyes. Look with me in verse number twelve. You see that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, if you ever do a study on on Lot himself, you'll find two differing opinions. You'll find one that he was, and the Bible says that he was a righteous man, uh, but it says that he vexed his soul uh, with the wickedness there. Uh, But you'll find two lines of thinking. You'll find that he was a righteous man even in Sodom. And you'll find that he did everything that he could to help the people to go to God. The other one is, you'll find uh, here, and C.I. Schofield says it here in verse number 10, uh, that this was his first step in backsliding. And so you got one that is pretty easy on Lot, and they're saying that lot was a just man he lived right he didn't partake of the sin and i do not think that he partook of the sin but he condoned the sin okay and i think if you condone the sin of sodomy you may as well just go ahead and swallow it you're guilty you said no i ain't nothing ain't none of me if you condone it then you may as well admit that you are accepting of it and you've got a part in it all right and so, uh, we, we get to this and we find the, the other side of it is that he, though he may not have took part in it physically, because he condoned it, he still, as Peter said, vexed his righteous soul with the wickedness there of the city. And so, there's two lines of thought. One is easy on Lot. The other one is just downright hard on him. And uh, so, I probably fall right in the middle there somewhere. But I lean more towards uh, Lot was backslidden. And Lot had gotten away from God. And he accepted the wickedness here. And he paid the price for it. So, we find that there was an arrogance towards sin. Uh, The first... And the last thing, according to verse number 12, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, I realize their tents were different back then, Benji. If you go out and you buy you a tent from the Walmart, it's going to have a zipper right in the front door. Alright, you open that zipper, and right out was Sodom and Gomorrah, Brother Bobby. Every day they started their day by looking at wickedness. Every night, the last thing they saw was wickedness before they closed the flap of that tent. Would to God this morning uh, that we do something other than show our children the wickedness of this world. I would heap rather show uh, my children the sawdust shavings of camp meeting. I'd heap rather put that tent out here if it costs us a $100,000 every year uh, to show our children. I said to show our children uh, that the old time way is still worth it. Hey, I would rather go with God if it hairlift every devil in hell today. I want you to know there is an arrogance of sin and if we're not careful as independent Baptists, oh, we'll be Become clouded, our judgment will become clouded because we feel like we're a minority and we don't speak against sin and so we don't speak it, we in turn accept it. And we say things like, well, that's just the way it is. That's our society. Well, I'm here to tell you, it is not the way it is, nor should it be the way that it uh, becomes. Uh, because, listen, uh, Brother David told Sunday morning, I believe it was Sunday, maybe it was the previous Sunday, I don't remember. And he mentioned something about the parade over in Columbus. And I was talking to him and I brought that up. And I said, uh, you know, I understand what he meant. I wasn't ridiculing him. I said, but Brother David, you understand that that's been, that's been that way for years now. He said, I know, preacher. He said, but that's 60 miles away. That's in our own backyard that they're having, uh, gay parades and, and they're allowing, uh, uh, tr- uh I don't know what they, when they, men dress up as women, uh, they're allowing them in our libraries to read to our children. They're allowing this at our schools. Uh, they're allowing this in public places. He says, I don't understand it. And he's so right that this is in our backyard. We're talking about right off of Lamar where there was a man walking down the street dressed as a woman. There's an arrogance of sin. I wrote this some time ago from from, from Genesis. Uh, uh, I forgot what chapter. I believe it might have been right here. But isn't it peculiar that when someone desires to separate from a godly influence, the alternatives presented will always look appealing and better than their current surroundings. You can pin a cow up today and you can give him all the, all the hay, all everything that he wants. But if that cow goes to that fence and he sees something greener on the other side, he'll do everything he can to tear down that fence to get to the greener pastures. But I want you to know this morning, if that's the way a righteous man acts, and if he gets arrogant towards sin, every gate, every fence that he tears down will get him closer and closer to the wickedness of the world. Lot sat at the gate in chapter number 19, verse number 1. And we'll revisit some of these here in a moment. There's an arrogance towards sin. So we saw first that he chose the plains. Next, we saw that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then we see that verse number 1 of chapter 19, Lot is now sitting at the gate. He says uh, uh, at the, the second phrase of verse number 1, And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So, Lot here is sitting in this public place, and it's a place where the men of the city gather together to share news or to conduct business. So, in essence, he was part of the city. He was not sitting on the outskirts. He was not yelling back and forth. He was part of the men. knew him. The men, you'll find in the in the in the text here that the men knew where he lived. Uh, they had contempt towards him. They said, "Will you be a judge of us?" They had contempt towards him, uh, which leads me back to I believe, uh, Brother Eric. He was righteous in his heart. Uh, he did have some things maybe uh, to 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 say about the lifestyle. Uh, and I, again, I'm I'm all over the place this morning. If you're taking notes, honey. God bless you. I'll print it off for you if you want it. Uh, But listen, uh, we'll we'll revisit this in a moment too. Uh, That that, uh, Lot here, he has now joined himself to the city. He is part of the commerce of the city. And he has become arrogant toward their sin. If you go to Sodom, one writer said, for your gains as Lot did, you will soon show signs of moral pollution. We live in a day and an hour where the term moral pollution is it's obscure. We we have no idea what that even means. The reason being is because the lines of what is moral and what is not have been blurred a generation ago. Y'all can say amen or not right there. It's not the, this generation that we have right now. It's the 60s and 70-year-olds right now that are that are making these laws and they're accepting all these things because they accepted them when they were in their 20s and in their 30s. And now they're in a place of power and they're running four generations behind them. Whoopee! If you go to Sodom for your gains as Lot did, you will soon show signs of moral Pollution. Number two, there's, we're talking about when the righteous are blinded, there was the arrogance towards sin, and now we see the awareness of sin. I, I've mentioned that Lot is, is righteous out of 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 7. But I believe that he was aware of sin. I'm gonna kinda of go a little backwards in, in my outline here. Lot was aware of the wickedness. In verse number 7, these, these men came to his house and these, he asked them to stay. He pressed upon them. Please stay in my house. And the men of the city, the wicked men of the city came and pressed upon the door. He went out lot, went outside the door in verse number seven. He said, I pray you brethren, do not so wickedly. Here's another point of concern that I have. He accepted them as brothers. He became friendly with them. You said, do you mean you you would shun a, a sodomite? No, I wouldn't shun them. I wouldn't let my children around them. I'd be courteous to them. But I'm not going to strike up friendships. I'm not going to continue in that line. Why? We ain't even going to answer that question. Why? Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's, that's the answer to the question, why? Y'all still with me this morning? We're on point two. We're on point two. Lot was aware of the wickedness. He said, he said, don't do this. Brethren, don't do so wickedly. He knew their carnal desires. Here's what's so, so pitiful this is probably the reason, Brother Samuel, I get so mad. I'm talking about ticked off at Lot. He said, don't do this. I've got two virgin, pure daughters inside. Just have your way with them. He ought to have been whooped right then. He ought to have been tied to a stake and beat till he was bloody right then. Because he offered up his pure, innocent daughters to this wicked generation. Guess what? We're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. When we give them their, when we give them free access, I'm I'm talking to myself. When we give them free access to their phones, we give them free access to their TVs, when we give them free access to their computers, we give them access to wherever they want to go, they can go with whomsoever they want to go. We are signing their certificate that we allow them to accept that sin and we are giving our innocence over to the wickedness of this world. Let's, Let's continue. He says, do not so wickedly. Jude, verse number 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, listen to this, and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He knew what they were doing. He knew their desires. He, was, he wasn't just a part of the city as an innocent bystander. He didn't just, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't ask any questions. I don't really know what they're doing. No, he knew what they were doing. Jude said in his little little one chapter book, he said of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities, he said they gave themselves over to fornication. He said they gave themselves over. Romans chapter 1, God gave them up, God gave them up, and God gave them over. These people here, they gave themselves over to fornication and to going after strange flesh. Can I answer that for a moment? I'm not trying to be off color, but if you are a male and if you were born one, you will forevermore always be one, no matter what the doctor tells you. Come on hallelujah right there. If you were born a male, the flesh that you should have desire for is the opposite, and that is the female. Young ladies, if you were born a female, then the flesh that is acceptable for you is the flesh of a male. But I'm going to go ahead, since I'm plugged in for a minute, how that means after you have said I do, that means after you have a ring on your finger saying that you are married, that is not before, because verse number 7, they gave themselves over to fornication. That's that running around sleeping with this, that, and the other. Uh, That's getting venereal disease. You said what? What? What did the preacher do? That's getting diseases that you can't cure. Uh, That's getting stuff that you can't talk about in person. Uh, That's getting stuff that's going to kill you one of these days. I want you to know this morning uh, that these people, and I believe America has turned themselves over to fornication and to going after strange flesh. Lot was aware, talking about the awareness, the awareness of sin. I told you I was going backwards. I want you to see that God was aware of the wickedness. In chapter number 18, verse number 20, the Lord said, now now, this is Jehovah. This is Jehovah, the self-existent one. This is the one that always has been, always will be. This is the one that knows all, that sees all. All Alright? Jehovah said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. What does he say? Uh, The cry of who? Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, I understand, it could be talking about the peoples of that particular place. But I want us to go a separate route, Hunter. He's talking about the city, the city, the area of the place, okay? He's talking about a physical place. We are we are just inside Plains, Georgia, okay? This is the place of Plains. This was the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I began to wonder why in the world would the cry of a city come before the Lord? Well, why would it even matter? Then this morning I was looking and over in Luke chapter number 4... Mm. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 40, Jesus is speaking, and He says, I tell you that if any should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. You understand today that I believe the nature itself was crying out, saying, God help us, because they're doing wickedness in the confines of this city. I believe it was nature itself saying something's wrong. Could you imagine the cries of America before the righteous ears of God? Paul talked about nature over in uh, chapter number 6 or 7 of First Corinthians. He says, doth not nature itself teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? Nature itself will teach you some things. Over in Romans chapter number 1, nature itself teaches you about God. When you see the trees, when you see the clouds, when you see the rain or the snow, when you feel the wind, that is the clouds, that is the wind, that is nature saying, there is a God. So I believe it was nature calling out. God had an awareness of sin. He had an awareness because nature cried out. Uh, but then also, uh, we have to look in our text in chapter 19, verse number 13. Uh, we see that the cry of the wicked came before God. Look with me. He's, these angels are talking. He says, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And so I believe here uh, that they, over in chapter 18, it the cry of the city. Now I believe it is the cry of the wicked. I believe it is the cry, not a cry like Lord help us. It is that the word means to cry out or to shriek. How they were partying, they were reveling, how the very sin, how that they were consumed upon or in. How it began to cry out to God. And I believe it was a demonic cry. And I believe that this sin of sodomy is a trick from the devil. You think about it for a moment. How you got people on YouTube and TikTok, how the, all they're doing. As they're getting, they're getting attention from our little ones, they're getting attention from our middle-aged, and they're trying their best to draw us in, create a following, then what do they do? They begin to flip the script, and they begin to introduce these things uh, that are so wicked and so vile, uh, but it's so easy for Satan uh, to get into our homes, into our hearts, by these little things. And I believe, I believe that sodomy is a ploy of Satan. Brother David again, the other Sunday, he talked about abortion. There's two things that's going to kill a human race. It's abortion because we are killing our babies and it is sodomy. Because no sodomite can have a child of his or her own. It's absolutely un-impossible. It ain't going to happen. Y'all with me? So Satan... He's trying his best to wipe people out. So no more can go to heaven. And he's starting young. Last year I preached the rainbow and the P word. That is in July when I preached about that. And in that message I gave statistics. I gave statistics that down a good number, down to 8 or 9 years old, that was about 13%. Of the American population, eight or nine year olds that are saying that they are Sodomite. I got a thirteen and a seventeen year old. So it's younger than that. Abby Gracie, ten, might be eleven, I think. Luke, nine, ten years old, seventeen. I'm talking about our young children. And it may be, it may be because of what mamas and daddies have allowed them to see. It may be because of what grandpas and grandmas allowed in the schools. But when it's all said and done, it's because Satan, he is the prince of this world. The God of this world. God knew. He was aware. He was aware of the sin. In Jonah, chapter number 1, verse number 2, God spoke to this preacher, Jonah. He says, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. I don't want to focus on the word cry there. But he says, I want you to cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. Here's the great thing, brother Jody. Though he protested, Jonah finally went and he preached the word from the Lord. Guess what they did? They listened and they obeyed the word. We have become so, I gotta go back to the arrogant we have become so arrogant in our nation. Uh oh. We have become so arrogant in our churches that when the preacher preaches the word of God, we do not listen. We think we know better. Just, I love this little place right here. I like it. Number three, I want us to see the apathy towards right. Anybody got a casserole in the oven today? Alright, I was going to stop right here and go on, but I'm going to finish this. Kurt, you're preaching tonight. Number three, the apathy towards righteousness. Now, we are talking this morning about when righteous are blinded. So, I want you to see this progression. There's an arrogance towards sin, alright? There is an awareness of sin, but there is an apathy towards righteousness, Look with me in chapter 19, verse number 14. And Lot went out, and he spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. I want you to notice this as we go through. We're talking about the apathy towards righteousness. His sons-in-law laughed at his warning. That's what the word mock means. They laughed at his warning. You crazy old man. It could be that they began to, to laugh about the fact that he had never publicly made a stand against the sin. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden he says, God's going to destroy it. It could be because his righteousness was hidden. I ask you the question this morning. Are you hiding your righteousness? When you go to work, do you hide your righteousness under your tool belt? Do you hide your righteousness under your name tag? Do you hide your righteousness maybe in your back pocket? I don't want anybody to know. There may come a day when God gets a hold of your heart and tells you, Hey, you need to speak out against what you've been what you've been surrounding yourself. I guarantee you, they are going to mock at you just like they mocked at Lot. And he's they're going to say, you seem as one that mocked. You seem as one that just makes light of everything until it's time to get serious. And then, I don't trust you. I have no confidence in you. His sons-in-law laughed at his warning. What's, what's really sad here is these sons-in-law... They also spoke for his daughters. Now keep that in mind. Daddies that have daughters. I'm going to help you here. And this is painful for me to say. But according to the Word of God. When that daughter gets married. Then she is no longer under your rule. Daddy. But she's under his rule. You may not agree with what he says is right or wrong. But according to Scripture, she or your son that gets married to a woman are to cleave father and mother. Or leave father and mother and cleave to that woman or to that man. Mamas and daddies has got a son. I do not have one. But I want you to know that there, there will come a time where he does not... Listen to me. i got to say this real carefully. Because I love my mama. And I've been to my mama a lot of times saying, what should I do? And she's always been helpful. But mamas, if you're just helicoptering over over your child, he's an adult, he's trying to live his life, he's got a wife, maybe a kid, whatever it is, and all you're doing is telling him what he should do, you need to hush. You need to back up. He's going to have to make some... Now, if he comes to you if he comes to you and asks, then yes, of course, but outside of that, it's hard. we're parents, we want to help we we see our son, we see our daughter going down the wrong path, and so we want to try to tell them that's why we ought to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. that's why we ought to bring them up because very soon they're going to go out. That was no charge whatsoever. I'm getting to that place in my Parental life. I've got one that's dating right now. And I'm watching like a hawk. And I'm praying. And I've said this before. Ashlyn is dating a preacher, so I'm going to say a man of God. But I know a lot of men of God that are not godly men. We'll say that again. Y'all can write it down. You can tattoo it on your brother's forehead if you want to. There's a lot of men of God that are not godly men. Ashlyn, I'm going to tell you. I've already told you this privately, but publicly. Whoever it is that you date and one day you marry, while you're dating, you make sure that he is a godly man, regardless of his title. Ladies, you that are dating in here, you that are thinking about dating, this goes to all men too. Make sure that she is a godly woman. Make sure that he is a godly man. Because if not, it's going to end at the courthouse, signing on the dotted line, giving away everything that you've worked so hard for, and breaking the covenant that you made before God. There's an apathy towards righteousness. His sons-in-law laughs. Lot, in verse number 16, lingered. And while he lingered... Notice verse 15, got to go back. The morning arose, the angels hasted to Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, Lot lingered. We have to notice the progression. I'm not going to turn back to these, but I want you to get them. You can write the references down and look. We've we've read several of these. Notice the progression of Lot's lingering. First of all, we see that he looked. Chapter 13, verse number 10. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. Chapter number 13, verse 11 and 12. He lusted. The Bible says that he, he went there and then he pitched his tent there. Towards. He, he longed. He lusted for Sodom. Next we see that he lodged in chapter number 14, verse number 12. The Bible says that the, the enemies came into Sodom and verse number 12, they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son's son who dwelt in Sodom. So he looked, he lusted, he lodged. Chapter 19, verse number one, what was he doing? He was sitting at the gate. He was leading. He led. He led. Talk about this progression. And then last, in verse number 16, he lingered. That's the way it will happen today, too. You're going to look and you're going to see something that may look a little bit better, so there's you looking. And the more you look, the more you'll start lusting. And if you're not careful, you'll get there and you'll find you a place and you'll set up camp and you'll start lodging there. But I want you to know that's not the end of it. Before long, you're going to find yourself and you're going to start bringing other people in. You're going to start carrying on with the place. You're going to become a leader there. But guess what? When God says to get out, you're going to linger. I know a lot of folks, and I have been one, that, that lingered too long in one place. It's hard to leave. You set up roots. You might be able to get some of those those top roots out and loosened up the son, that tap root. And the reason that tap root was so deep in Lot's life is because he left Abraham. He left that godly influence. I want us to look at this. You see, his sons-in-law laughed. Lot lingered. His wife looked back. In verse number 17, these angels says, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Verse 26, but his wife Looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She looked back. I firmly believe, I firmly believe that she looked back because of her family. Now if I'm right, if I'm right, she had two daughters with her and she had at the very least two daughters in the city because the scripture says sons in law. That's more than, it's at least two. She had at least At least four daughters. At least two were still in Sodom and two were with her. Now, if if you follow the text, you look at verse number 12, it also talks about a son. I don't know for sure that there was a son involved because it's almost as a question. But Brother Wayne, we know at least four children and two are being consumed in the fire behind her. I believe she looked back because of her family. If I had to leave my daughter in a fire, just think about it. Just think about it. If your daughter or your child was in a fire and you were ushered away, don't you know you would be looking back because of your heart's being ripped out? And this wife, who we know nothing about, Brother John, this wife, we don't know her name, we don't know where she stood in all this, she was following her husband because of her husband's choice. Mm. I'm going to give you another example of a husband's choice. Read the book of Ruth. That was a band name, if y'all help me, Elimelech, I believe. He left Bethlehem and went to Moab. He was supposed to sojourn there. Sojourn means go in and out of the city. It's what he was supposed to do. But he stayed there for ten years. Elimelech died. Malon and Chilean died. What were they left with? It was Orpah, Ruth, Naomi. Naomi became bitter in her heart. Ruth, Moabite woman. Remember Sunday school? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'll tell you about that here in a minute too. Ruth, this Moabitis woman. She came out. Orpah stayed. She went back. They came over and they went back into Bethleh- uh, Bethlehem. And God blessed them. But guess what? They lost all of that because of one man's choice. Because Elimelech said, we're going to leave God's land and go to the godless land. Look what happened. So, she turned back because of her family. I believe she also turned back because of her future. I believe it's probably in every mama and daddy's heart that when their children are married, that they immediately start wondering about grandchildren. But Wayne's telling it right. Could it be that she looked back, Nathan? We don't know that they that, that they were with child. We don't know that at all. We have no idea about that. But we do know that she had two daughters that were married to that were married. And they were being consumed in this fire. And I believe she turned back. She was told not to. But mama's hearts are so intertwined with their children. She turned back, I believe, because of her future. Maybe she had just had a conversation that morning or the night before about a child. Maybe she was already crocheting something, a little, some little footies or some little handies, whatever you call them, mitts, gloves, whatever. Maybe, maybe she had a little chest that she was, hey, I went down to, went down to the mall yesterday and I, I, I got you a new outfit for the baby. I'm going to put it right here. She turned, I believe, because of her family. I know I've made this statement, and I hope you understand what I mean when I say would to God. I wish to God that we would instill in our children what is right and what is wrong so that when the judgment of God comes, they're not caught up in it. We see his daughter's the end of the chapter, they lay with their father. We're talking about now this apathy towards righteousness. Peter said that, that Lot was a righteous man. But these daughters, if they knew anything about the righteousness of their daddy, if they knew anything about the morals of their daddy, about the purity, physical or moral purity, it was snatched away because of his choice, and we find in verse thirty-one and thirty-two, it says that they, the older, said to the younger, "Our father is old; there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the seed of our father." The choice of lot to look towards Sodom, to lust after Sodom, to lodge in Sodom, to lead in Sodom, and then to linger in Sodom, it affected these two daughters. You see, two daughters were burned up in the fire, but two daughters right here were caught up in a different fire. You, you could you could read a lot into this. He begged. Lot begged the angels, don't send me to the mountains. He said, Zoar is just right down the road. Let me go to Zoar. So they said, go. You turn the page, and they've left Zoar, and they're going to the mountains. And these girls were in the city of Zoar, where they were allowed to be. Now they're in the mountains. And they said, there's no man around. They said, in all the earth. I can think of a lot of different directions to take that. It makes me wonder maybe if, if some of the same things that were going in Sodom and Gomorrah were going on in Zoar. These daughters lay with their father. In iniquity they bore two sons. Ammon and Moab. Ammon and Moab, they were two of the fiercest They were two of the most problematic enemies that God's people ever faced. It seems like over and over again, every time you see something, one of those two places came up. Out of Moab came the Samarians. Out of Moab came that woman at the well. But out of Moab came Ruth, that I mentioned earlier. And Ruth... Married Boaz. Ruth and Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. And then, and in the process of time, David had Jesus Christ. So I want you to know something this morning. When the righteous are blinded, they may make a lot of mistakes. They may go to a lot of places they never should have been. I said it in Sunday school. I'm going to say it again. I firmly believe that any mess that we find ourselves in, God is capable of fixing it and using it for His glory. He is capable of that. You see, we we stop reading about Lot here in verse number 38. We don't see a whole lot. More about him. In Luke we hear about him again as we remember Lot's wife. But then we don't hear anything about him until Second Peter chapter number 2. In all this time we're thinking about how wicked Lot was. Thinking about how wicked Lot was. But Peter said that he vexed his righteous soul. It was a righteous man all along. But he had become blinded. Miss Lori, if you will come to the piano. Samuel, if you can get us a, a hymn. Just as I am will be fine unless you have something else. Mamas and daddies, we need to be very careful of the words that you say and that the choices that you make concerning the things of God. I... I I have to be careful not to call names. But I knew a man and a woman. The woman was... Both of them were very nice. Don't misunderstand me. The woman was more spiritual than the man. The man, he was very opinionated. And if he didn't like something, there was no filter. There was no process. It was just out just like that. And they had two daughters. The youngest one, the youngest one was just like her daddy. I'm talking about as a little, little girl. She'd see or she'd hear something that just didn't sound right and she'd contort her face and she'd say, oh, that's stupid. She'd give her opinion. The reason being is because her daddy was an example to her. That little child shouldn't be able to form opinions about adult things until she becomes an adult. But because mom and daddy were not careful about the things that they discussed, because they were not careful about the reactions that they had towards the things of God and the man of God, those two daughters, too, were affected. And the same things that mom and daddy said... Those little girls said. The same things that mom and daddy thought, those little girls thought. So, mamas and daddies, I want you to be careful. Be careful about what you say and how you react to the things of God or to the man of God. As the saying goes, if he steps on your toes, if the preacher steps on your toes, that's probably why God had you here today. If you're pricked in your heart, it's not my fault, but God. If you were offended, it wasn't Jamie that offended you. It was the Word of God that offended you today. Weakness is everywhere we turn. It's on our phones. It's in our schools. It's on the bookshelves. It's on our computers. It's on our TVs. Sadly, it's in our churches. Someone sent me a video... Of some sort of a church, I don't know the denomination, don't know anything. Had rainbow flags all across the front. The quote unquote preacher had a robe on and a, um, some kind of a shawl that was rainbow colored. And he used the scripture completely out of context. Had a conversation off the phone. The man sent it to me and he called me he says, listen, before I respond to this, I need to know what this joker's talking about. So I pulled it up. Jesus was caught by the Pharisees and they were asking about divorce. Jesus answered the Pharisees. The disciple says, so, so what you're saying is if a man is divorced, it'd be, it'd be better for him not to marry again. And Jesus says this is a hard saying. And then he started talking about a eunuch. I'm not going to what a eunuch is. But he began to talk about a eunuch. He said, some, some are born a eunuch. That's a, that's a physical um, defect. He said, some are made a eunuch by their masters, by men. Because the servant wants to stay part of that master's community. There's a procedure that's done to that man that makes him a eunuch. But he said, there's some for the kingdom of God make themselves a eunuch. He says, if you can handle it, Jesus says, if you can handle that, being a eunuch, he said, so be it. And this man said, there are some people born a sodomite. He said, some people are made into it being a sodomite. And some people just decide to be a sodomite, and God says, if that's okay with you, it's okay with me. Son, I was hot. I told I told my eyes fired up. Why was it fired up? One, because he took God's holy word out of context, number one. Number two, this was on TikTok, which it makes me want to vomit out of my mouth, even say those two words. Can't stand it. I say it again, if you got that stuff, take it off your phone. Most of it's wicked anyway. You can like it or lump it, don't matter a hill of beans to me. So there ain't no telling how many people's already seen this. It was then shared on Facebook. No telling how many people saw this. And because he called himself a preacher, people listened. And because people are like Lot, looking across the fence, trying to find some way to feel better about themselves, heard this man falsely say that Jesus said it was okay to be like this. There's no telling, Miss Tanisha, how many people this cat has either sent to hell or he's influenced someone in their lives that it may take years for them to get right. That's why I was ticked off about it. And we are going to have to be careful, mamas and daddies. It's everywhere. We got to be careful. God forbid today that we become blind to the righteousness of God. I said it before. I say it again. First Peter five eight. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine says, "Whom resist." steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He said, this enemy, he says, verse number 9, you need to resist steadfast in the faith. He said, well, I'll resist the devil. If you're not doing it in the faith of Christ, you're going to fall flat of your face. Our society celebrates the wickedness of sodomy. They have parades. They have days. They have months that they set aside to celebrate it. They have politicians and they have money behind them to help substantiate their quote-unquote rights. All the while our children, your grandchildren, are subjected to this ideology that's warping their minds. We need to walk in our Christian life with eyes wide open if the devil is walking about seeking whom he may devour you and i need to have our heads on a swivel looking for the enemy if it even twitches like the enemy brother jody we we need to be on guard you start smelling the stench of hell you better be looking around because he's somewhere You start healing that, hearing that growling of wickedness that comes from the pit of hell. You better be watching. Cause he's walking about. He's seeking whom you may devour. Nick, it might be you that gets devoured next. I hope it's not. Your mom, you're still under mom and daddy's roof, right? So up until you move out, up until you get on your own, up until you get married, mom and daddy, y'all better be watching out. Baby, I'm talking about watch out. But because you're a child of God, you can watch out. You start smelling something. Say, Daddy, you smell hell like I do? Y'all hit your knees. <laughs> Listen, the devil wants you and he wants me. He wants our children. Be sober. Be vigilant. We've got an enemy. He's named. One of the wiles of the devil he talks about it in Ephesians chapter number five is mentioned here today. This wile, this this weapon, if you will, of sodomy. I listen to gospel music, southern gospel music. I have a podcast about southern gospel music. I've written newspaper articles about southern gospel music. I've spent hundreds upon hundreds of dollars of southern gospel music. As far as I'm concerned, that music, southern gospel music, outside of hymns, is probably the most godliest music that you can find. But, I can name you about four people within southern gospel music that I have High suspicions that they're guilty of sodomy. They'll still get on the stage. And they'll still sing about Jesus. They'll still talk about Him. They'll still post on Instagram about Him. But I'm afraid when that bus door closes, nobody else knows what's going on. It can be in our churches too. Heard a, heard a preacher. Uh, listen, I'm just taking my time. I ain't scared of none of y'all. Listen, I heard the preacher preach some years ago by blowing the whistle on the wolves. I want to preach that message so bad I can't hardly really stand it. But I don't have all the I don't have all the illustrations that I could personally use that that he did. But he talked about one of the youth leaders. Won't, had a pool at his house. Wanted all the boys to come over to the house. Them boys went out there in their swimsuits, took their shirts off, and and all he did was sit on the pool deck watching all those boys half naked. Come find out, the preacher found out that this guy was a pervert. He didn't didn't want them over for nothing godly. He didn't want them over for no, no supper by the pool. He wanted over there to please his own flesh. It's in our churches. In our churches. Father, we love you, God. God, what I, I pray today that you would allow our hearts to be touched, allow our heads to be on a swivel. God, I don't have hatred in my heart towards any human being. God, but I hate the devil. God, I hate what he has allowed, what he has shoved down the throats and in the hearts of a godly people. I hate the fact that he has so infiltrated our public schools and our Christian schools, our libraries, our technology. But I beg you today that you'd help us as the church to be able to stand up against it. Don't be silent. There's no need to get on Facebook and start quoting scriptures. Facebook is not, not the platform. God, we can get out in the world and we can live a righteous life and not hide our righteousness under a bushel. We can get in the world and we can proclaim the gospel. A lot of times the gospel to the lost and dying world, they only want to hear that Jesus loves me, and I'm so glad you do. But God, they need to know that there is sin amongst us. They must repent their sins and be saved. Father, I pray that you would help us Lord, if every, if every church in America's, if every church in America's goes against God and the Bible, if they accept this fallacy, they accept this ungodly practice as the norm, Father, I pray that until eternity comes, that you let Lighthouse be firm on the rock, the foundation of the Word of God. God, I pray that if anybody comes against the word of God, if anybody comes against the, the 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 what this church stands for, God, I pray that you'd move them on down the road. God, but I beg you, Father, Lord. In saying that, Lord, somebody's listening. His name's the devil. God, he's he's on the prowl. God, he's going to try to make somebody slip, maybe even me. God, I beg you that you put a hedge about us. God, I beg you today that you'd put some some boldness about us. God, allow, allow us, Lord, allow us for your sake to be fighters for the good. God, we pray you'll help our people. Touch them today. God, if there's somebody that needs prayer, God, bring them to the altar. God, if there's somebody that needs... Lord, just, Lord they've been fighting it. God, they need to be lifted up. Lord, let them come down here and get lifted up. God, if there's somebody who needs courage, I ask You that You'd let them be like Joshua. Be strong and courageous. God, we pray You'll do a work today. In Jesus' name, Amen.